It wasn't me. Well, I have, to, I have to say, you guys make me feel comfortable. So, you know, the butterflies, they've, they've all, they've all sort of found, you know, a different kind of formation now, and they're sort of dancing, you know. I thought, I thought um, you know, I might just... Uh, things take their course, don't they? You, 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 you know, I had a plan to just, um, just go through all this intense stuff, but I just like breaking it up. And, uh, you know, I, if you've got questions too, you know, I'm, I just f fire them at me. Um, yeah, this 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 image here. She's she's just gone out to the Fotipaku. It's gone. But that one, Paula, Paula did that one. She painted that for the book. It's in uh, it's in this. Um, here it is there. And right another prophet that's in in here somewhere. So she's she's an extraordinary artist. And um, wow. wow. <laughs> Is it Mate Wow? <laughs> and um, a few people said they'd like to get a copy of this one. Um, I managed to get the remaindered copies from the publisher, so if anybody wants those, they can um, write their address down, uh, 60 bucks each. I know it's expensive, but um, it's solid stuff. And um, Reed weren't going to publish it again, they were going to pulp them. And I said, don't you dare, I'll have those. So I bought up the remainders, and, uh, but this one's in the bookshops now. One of the sad things I think is probably that um, they're not in the Christian bookshops. You know, you can go to the Christian bookshops and, um, can I get a copy of Routon of the Prophet? Oh, I'm not sure that he's a Christian. Oh, haven't heard about that one. But <laughs> But you know, this we're, we're at a change. We're, we're at a point of, of change here, and I think all of our understanding is being challenged, and we've been given new ways to see things. And um, as I was talking to my friend here before, um, you know, David screwed up, didn't he? And what do we do? Do we dismiss his story and say, well, hang on a minute, all the rest of it can't be worth anything, or you know, Solomon and his many wives, or you know, the Bible is full of people who screwed up. But you know, Jesus Christ is full of stories about people who got back up again after they did, and had richer stories to tell because of it. So why should we, you know, put Ratner down and keep him down? And I think that's that's what's happened. You know, well, no, there are a few things there that might shock you, <laughs> but I'd rather focus on 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 the positive things. You know, we can talk about some of some of the things, but um, you know, history is rich with people of enormous character who slid off, backslid, oh, I hate that word, you know, did, did stuff that might not line up with our morality or whatever. And as Jay was, Jay was saying earlier on, do we, do we dismiss people because they were human? You know, and unfortunately we all are, so far, most of us. There might be angels among us tonight, I don't know. But you, yeah, there's, there's my gorgeous wife, Paula, wow. Paula Novak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to admit at this point in the story, I'm not sure where I'm going. So, if in doubt, read a poem, all right? <laughs> yes. It's a geranium. Yeah, all right. Um, geranium. 
back into my pantry. Oh, who, who told me about that? <laughs> I was just saying the other day that sometimes, how do you retain all of this information? You know, because we're overloaded with information, and, and, and I always admire people who can get up and do it the Māori way, just extemporise, you know, and it's just there. And sometimes I can, but most of the time I'm afraid. I'm, hang on a minute, come back to the word. But, um, and, and you were saying that you, you see it as a pantry. All the, the herbs and spices that you use regularly, you keep in the middle shelf, and the stuff you might need is up on the top shelf. And, and I like that. I'm going to borrow that. Yes. Is that all right? I can yes. borrow that? Yeah. The geranium story. Um, yeah, there were geraniums growing outside um, the Ratna family homestead. Um, and how do I get this? Ratana went to Wellington and, and it occurs multiple times in his prophecies. He, 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 he took a cutting to Wellington and he planted it outside um, Parliament buildings. And he prophesied, he said, I will come back and uh, gather a pluck a flower from you. I will come back and, you know, obviously believing that it's going to grow. And also there's a political focus there. And then another time he, he went back and he said um, the perfume from these flowers will, will spread across the four corners of the nation. And then just before um, Iruera Terakatani became the first uh, of his Nakwata Ifa'a, the four quarters, they prayed outside there and, and you know right outside there and he said something about um, a, a bee and honey, and that was right on the side of the, of the beehive, where, where, where the beehive was built. So through there, you know, he's talking about the perfume, which again relates back to those early prophecies that talk about, uh, about De Korti saying, you know, the, perf the, the, per the garden of flowers, the, the perfume um, that will spread across the nation. So it's really about influence. And, and of course, often we see the Holy Spirit as having a, an influence of, 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 of perfume or, or, or something like that that, um, that, that that can fill a room. I mean, that's a pretty awesome thing when that happens. But um, you know, his God's influence. So really, through that's what the geranium is. Uh, it represents represents that. No question. What made you write a book I was hearing, I, I, I had a lot, of, um, a, a lot of musician friends, a lot of Māori friends who um, would talk about Ratna. I had a friend in Palmston called Mahia Blackmore who I kind of had a bit to do with when I was growing up. Um, she, she lives at uh, Bulls and uh, Mina Paikia who was a, a backing singer in a band that uh, I had a bit to do that actually borrowed the name of one of my poems, Heart War. Heart, Heart, Heart Warrior, they called themselves. It was a re hard out reggae band up in Auckland, you know. And I used to roadie for them sometimes. And, uh, you know, I'd, I, well, I'd sort of, I'd come to Auckland and, you know, I was a bit bored with church and I thought, oh, God had actually said to me, he said, I'm going to take you back in contact with all the people that, because when I became a Christian, I, I went hard out, I gave them all tracts and I preached to them, I lost all my friends. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want anything to do. Oh, yeah, man, he's going to preach at you or something like that. But he said, I'm going to bring you back in contact. And so I did. I went and hung out with all these musos. And they'd be, you know, getting toked up. And I have to admit, sometimes I did too. But, you know, hey, we all fall. <laughs> but, but honestly, I learned a lot through that. I, had to, I, I did. I had, to, I had to go back and say, well, okay, that's, that's not a good place to do. That's not a good witness. 
but I would I would sit with them and there'd be these amazing conversations, you know, and I'd bring God in all the time and it was it was a heavy, hard time. It was in the arts community with uh, but but the conversation of Ratna would always come up, but people didn't know enough. They would tell me little fragments and what got me was that Ratna had called Māori to unity under Iho Onumano, God Jehovah of the Thousands. He, he, he called the tribes together, it was pan-tribal, and that, that hit me because at that time I thought that's the message we need to hear, why aren't we hearing it? And as I began to, to, to research it, to, uh, to try and get deeper into it, I could get a little way but I ran into obstacles and as a journalist of uh, many years that's, that's just like a, um, you know, a challenge to me, you know, so I began to have as many conversations as I could and like I might have said before, every time some, it's like I get frustrated, it's like, well it's too hard for me, it's too heavy, there's too many threads here, I can't follow them through, nobody's talking to me, I'm going to put it down. Every time I came to that point, something would just pop out of left of centre and it would just, just be a little gem, I thought, wow, that's incredible, that's exactly what I needed to finish that story or, or that part of it. And, and you know, on it would go for another while, and I'd just go. Ah, oh, it's just nobody wants to. T nobody official at Ratnapa wanted to talk to me, <coughs> and and this has been a problem. They'd shut down to the media. Um, there are diaries. There there is a res huge resource there, but it's locked away, or it's um, with some family up there, and nobody wants anybody to look at it. That's particularly a Pakeha, particularly a Tauiwi. So, you know, you keep feeling left on the outer, but then more and more people started giving me information. I get an email from Australia, I get an email from, from England, I put something up on the website, and people were hungry for this knowledge about what were my grandparents into, what was my uncle into, I'm a Ratna, but I don't know anything about it. It's one of those missing stories in history, and the call on the journalist, the call on the man of God to, uh, to restore uh, history is what drew me to it. So I just had to persist, and I was actually surprised when Reed said yes because it had been rejected about four times. So when they said yes, I just had to go hard out. And at that point, um, Ruya, I met Ruya Apirama, um, who was um, south side of Bombay. Does anybody know that band? Um, What's the time, Mr. Wolfie? All of that stuff. Well, he he's a staunch Ratna, you know, from way back. His family grew up there. His father used to be the the secretary of Ratna. And he just said, well, actually, I've got some material. And then he offered that to me, and then he translated a lot of material for me, and we became good friends, and we had a lot of dialogue. And um, uh, Kiriyama Pini organised uh, uh, the last train load down to uh, Ratnapa from Whangarei, because they don't run trains anymore, but somehow they managed to do it. There used to be train loads go all the way down the country to Ratnapa, just filled up with thousands of people. Because Ratna touched every marae around the country. He went, he travelled around this country numerous times. You go to any marae and you'll have stories about when Ratna came, about the miracles that were performed, about the curses that were lifted, about the healings that were, that, that were performed. This is our story. This is a story, this is a New Zealand story. This is our heritage. So, you know, it's just, um, it, it's been an exciting process. <coughs> I didn't know that, and 
that was just, I wept when I read that. Cause mm. I um, but I, I, I just always had this thought, and, and I'd, I'd be really interested in what you think about it. Um, I, I'd always wondered whether, um, so often, you know, when God has a, a destiny or a calling for us, He places us in boundaries, you know, until we get to that place where we can step out beyond that boundary and then, you know, more boundaries as we grow bigger or, you know, in our mana, our, our authority, our call in God. And I always wondered that he'd step beyond his boundary for his time when he went overseas. And I've always sort of had that sort of thought, it's like this thing that was on him, um, which was, we, we know, was genuine, and you know, genuine call of God. But I've always had that thought, it's like, did he step out before his time? And that's why he just lost his way and people ended up lifting him up as mediator and then he believed himself. Do you know what I'm yeah, to yeah, yeah. I mean, some people say that Radner entering politics, that that was the end of it for him. But I don't see it. You know, that's, that story about um, Patangaroa happened after he'd been overseas. That happened in, in the 1930s. Uh, and, and his prophecy about um, the, the two towers, um, I just think that really... Yes, I, I, it's, uh, overseas in, in England in 1924, some of the people in his executive group did begin to revere him more than, than he wanted. And they began to interpret some of those scriptures about uh, Te Mangai, or the one who speaks out of the clouds, as when that cloud that I described earlier on had broken over him, that he was the second coming of Christ. And that's where it went wrong, when people started to believe that, and where it went wrong. And, and Fetu Tirukatni Sullivan, who's immensely helpful in, in bringing this together, came from, you know, she grew up at Ratnapar, and she has stories of going to Sunday school there, and of passing Ratna, and Ratna would say, what did you learn at Sunday school today? She said, oh, I learned the Lord's Prayer. So, oh, I say that every day. Now you say it to me. And he would test her. You know, so it was this beautiful relationship. She, she, she said, yeah, this beautiful relationship with Natamariki, with the kids. You know, and he would just talk to them. Just, just like, you know, you can imagine perhaps Jesus would. So he was really, and that's what we're all called to, isn't it? To emulate the example that Christ gave us, not to, 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 to uh, step in. In, in his shoes, I don't, Ratner never did that. But she, she and she will say this too: that the, the, the mistake that he did make is that he didn't correct some of the people, particularly some of the editors of uh, Te Fetu Marama, the newspaper, which they started just before he went to uh, to England, began to elevate him a little bit. And so there, there, there would any movement you're going to get divisions. I mean the um, the, the, the Methodist uh, Father Seema stayed staunch with Routna right from the beginning. Now Father Seema had been uh, with uh, Tefiti and Tohu at uh, Parihaka and Tefiti's son had a place set aside for, for Father Seema. He would go there and he would say he would sit there and he would eat Māori style and sit on the mat and they would learn from him and he would, you know, he was a wonderful mediator and I think his, his is another story that would be great 
um, uh, to learn because uh, if you look at a lot of the Māori girls' choirs and uh, a lot of the music that came out of uh, particularly the South Island, and that he was hugely influential in that, but he stayed, well, actually, uh, Paikia from up on. Um, uh, he, w he was one of the first ministers and one, also one of the politicians, but th th they were with Father Seymour. Father Seymour, he felt it was his role to keep things on the Christian track, and that's when they came up with the, um, the Ratna Creed, which if you read it today, the Ratna Creed, uh, it would put a lot of churches back on track if they were to read it, you know, the, the, the 15 points or whatever, and at the bottom it says, and to, um, uh, to revere uh, Ratna as the mouthpiece of God. But the trouble is that that's the one that's become the number one now. So it's got, you know, it's got kind of messed up. And the whole idea of mouthpiece is, is, is like, you know, you know those scriptures that say um, when you go and stand before kings or, 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 or you know, royalty or, or, or any kind of like that, have no fear for the Holy Spirit is, is with you and the words that you speak. I mean, that's, that's the, um, that's the mangai. That's the, the mouth peace of God. That's what the old prophets would say, was that they were overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and when they spoke, it was, they, was, they spoke as if they were prophets, as if they were inspired by God. And I think that Ratna was a Mangai, and in that respect, not somebody to be reverenced higher than the source that inspired him. And that was the problem, is that um, hungry for leadership, hungry for direction at a time in New Zealand history when uh, Māori was still being told that they were the remnants of a dying race, let's smooth down the pillow and make it easy because let's get them out of the way we want the land or whatever reason, that lie, that, that false prophecy was still around. And as we were reminded before, um, you know, Māori coming back from the First World War weren't rewarded or appreciated as much as their Pākehā counterparts who were promised uh, acreages of land as payment for, for, for that. Um, often uh, these guys came back uh, from, from the war, they, they had new skills, they had, um, um, you know, they'd honed their skills, they'd been in the front line, they'd been fighting a lot for their country and they came back and uh, found that more of their land had gone or found that, you know, they'd been dispossessed in their absence. And that's a, that's a horrible story. So Ratna saw um, all of these people who had these gifts and talents and he wanted to use this wild energy. Because I think we've all got this wild energy. It's how you tame it and how you make something of it and sharpen it. And he could see there was the potential to, to bring all of these people in and create a structure. And, and one of the things that he did do, you know, at that time when he's talking about that prophecy of the year 2000, he was telling the people about the uh, the Ratna land scheme. And, uh, you know, during the Depression, Ratna said, well, we've got all this land here, let's put all these people to work. So there was hundreds of families, thousands of people coming to the par, put them to work in the fields. They grew wheat. He was the most respected wheat farmer in New Zealand. You never hear that. And they actually said in government, here's a good example to all the Māori people, in fact, to all New Zealanders, look at what Ratna's doing out there. He's producing thousands, you know, he's got thousands of bushels of wheat coming out of there, good quality wheat. And you know what the government did? It struck a deal with Australia and started importing wheat, so that put an end to that. So you've got power politics and economics coming into the whole thing too. But, you know, he was practical and spiritual. And uh, what you're saying, Cindy, um, one of the things, again in the symbolism, one of the, the favourite quotes of mine, of Ratna, is that in my right hand is the Bible, in my left hand is the Treaty of Waitangi, 
if everything is right spiritually, everything will come right politically and socially. So that was that was the to me that's the, that's the most powerful thing that we can bring forward into the day too, and see that we're actually missing one of the books, and missing one of the foundation stones. We're actually uh, not seeing the the, the the legacy of Christianity, of the missionaries, of all those awesome um, Maori missionaries and teachers who brought the gospel to the country, way ahead of the. Uh, the, the Europeans who were still landlocked up in the Bay of Islands, you know, and then you get, I mean, that's a whole other story. I've just been lost in that one, and it's a fascinating story. And in and, and the book that's coming up, um, Bible and Treaty Missionaries and Māori, it, it, I've, I've decided that I want to have as, as many Māori missionaries as possible represented in there and tell their stories alongside. The, the Richard Taylors and the Octavius Hadfields and the Henry and William Williams and um, uh, all those guys, great guys, you know, amazing commitment. But there, there's a there's a, there's a, a whole bunch of Maori there who got it, you know, and and often up in the Bay of Islands they didn't even uh, some of the teachers didn't, you know, might have been slaves gone through the schools and and uh, the missionaries might have thought, oh well, he didn't cut it. You know, he wasn't good enough for baptism, but no, they were inspired, and away they went. Yeah. And you know, by the time the missionaries got there, they knew <laughs> they're, they're reciting the hymns, and they know the words, and they've, they've already built their churches, and they're having a day of rest. And that's exciting stuff until we get right through to about the land wars in the 1860s, when we get a division, you know, about government, about land, about where the missionary loyalty comes in, and then our whole history gets confused. You know, with Tecorti's coming back angry from the Chatham Islands, he's got some revelation there, but boy, is he angry. He's been, you know, wrongly accused for something he didn't do. And then to all how many um, coming through there with the um, the how how movement turns back to a murderous kind of thing. And then, uh, you know, uh, 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 all of that, st all those guys learned at the mission stations. They were all, they had all come through that Christian thing and felt betrayed. You know, and I think that what we're dealing with here, with here is a sense of betrayal, as a sense of history. We, we, what happened to that? Where did it go? You know, and we are ah, the missionaries. They must have done it. So you know, that's that's kind of where I think that Radna comes in and he pulls the threads together. You know, and the Holy Spirit touches him and, he, and 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 reaches out across the land and just pulls in all of these ancient prophetic threads and says, "Come back to me, my people. Come back to me." You know. And I think that's that's the, still the message today. The me you can't stop the message, but the, what's what's often missing is the information. If you don't have the information there, you make wrong conclusions about New Zealand uh, history, about Maori history, about our history, about the DNA, the cultural DNA, the soil that we're planted in, where we came from. All of that, we can't make the right decisions unless we understand where we come from and this is my history too and this is my kids history so all right that poem and uh, and and then i'll ask you if you've got any more questions the maori jonah wild west coast waves deliver two whales to the reluctant prophet one lies listless in the sand the other thrashes about initialed set apart by destiny before slipping back into the sea in its wake, bucket loads of fish spasm along the foreshore, a greater catch than any net could hold. Mangai jawbone, wide open in surprise like a modern-day Maui, ready to haul a drowning nation from the sea of change. A Maori Jonah, waiting for the words to take to Nineveh. 
Then a bright and burning cloud and a message on angelic wings called to be a fisher of men. Two books and a mouth to conquer fear and superstition. Ancient prophets and kings have foreseen this mission. A gathering of the scattered tribes to rail against the smooth pillow of a premature death. From a whale oil lantern a fire begins to burn, drawing broken lives back to the flame. Time for Nineveh to turn. That uh, fishing trip was an interesting one. That was the first thing, you know. Mary Ricky Ricky had made her prophecy and she said, uh, Science, some things are going to happen that are going to make... He's talking, she's talking to Ratna. Ratna said, ah, had enough of that. Something's going to happen and uh, a sign will come to you. So Ratna and his family are <coughs> fishing at the mouth of the uh, Whangaihu River, which is just down the back of, uh, of where um, Ratna Par is. Just, uh, I, I'm going to divert here. Just, but Paul and I went for a drive in our, in our blue Subaru. My blue Subaru. <laughs> and I thought, I want to go down there and see where, where, where the whales were beached. I want to go down and see that. I thought, oh, okay. So we drive down this back road and we're heading down there. And there's a big gate and everything's just dilapidated, you know, and the road's getting rougher and rougher. I thought, ooh. Well, it looks like a public road, all right. So we open it and we go through the gate and we're driving down the roads, getting narrower and the roads getting deeper and I'm up on the side of the road. And next minute there's a car coming <laughs> and the blue car, the same colour as ours, coming the other way. And we're sitting like, how are we going to get past? And we're about that close and we pu pull up along there and we wind our windows down and say, what are you doing here? I know you. And it was, it was <laughs> I mean, again, one of those silly, totally unrelated things, but the woman in the passenger's seat um, her kids went to the same school as my kids in Tiarati South when they were little toddlers and we kind of had exchanges at that level and her husband who left her at that stage used to work in the art department at ACP where I worked as, a, as an editor. So it was just like, Phew. but okay the message they brought was that it's dangerous going down any further, I wouldn't take that car. So we sort of backed up and took off but I mean you know, there's God going again, high five or is it a snap you know. <laughs> But I love it, you know, I think life's, life's like that if we tune into it. So they're fishing <laughs> down there on the 17th of March. Um, and the Wongaihu River actually, um, oh, yeah. uh, 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 this is 1918. And uh, the, the Wongaihu River, there's a sheltered inlet tucked between the Whanganui and the Rangitiki River. So again, this is all border stuff. This borders on tribes and all the rest of it and the outlet from the Whanganui River. It gets a bit wild down there. But uh, it's, it, the story is, several mountainous waves crashed to the shore and then one seemed to stand on end with a large fish surfing in behind it. As the next wave broke, a whale was left stranded on the sand and soon became still. The family was amazed. Then as they looked up, another wave with a whale in tow dumped its passenger on the foreshore. The second whale thrashed about for a long time, and while some accounts say it bled profusely before dying, an oral account by Kiria Mapini, um, given to him by Ratna's daughter, Tereo Hura, or Mata, who was present at the time, she said her father got close enough to carve his initials on the wave and to speak to it before the, the whale got up and went away. So this is what um, uh, Tereo or Mata 
And she's an amazing story too. My father was overcome by the spirit and he spoke to the spirit of the whale saying he had the power of life and that Satan's power was at an end. And this point of the, at, at this point, the tail began to move and a life was restored and a large wave like the first one carried it out. As the whale left, Ratna said, take my name to the four corners of the world. The time will come when you are called back to Takatai Moana or Wangaihu and then it will be that my works will be completed. And I always wonder, you know, I always think, I wonder one day if there's a whale gets beached at Wangaihu and people say, what's that little scar? <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> but you don't know. So he took that as a, a sign that he'd been called as a fisher of man, like like Christ has, has called us. You know, he saw that as the sign that uh, Riki Riki had prophesied. And so he went up to the farm and he brought the horses down and he dragged the remaining whale up the beach. Well, actually, around about the same time, the, the, the foreshore was littered with fish. Suddenly, all these small fish all over the place. So they came down and they got, you know, bucket loads of fish and that... that fed everybody and they took the they cut the whale up and the whale oil that they got filled the lanterns that lit Rout and power over the next few years when his ministry came to a light and people heard about the healing and um, you know so nothing was wasted and the whale bone I, 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 no, I don't have a it was on the uh, the jawbone was sitting on the front of the Routner homestead for a long time and part of it, one of, one of the vertebrae or a couple of them are still in the Whare Māori from, from that whale. So, you know, symbolism, um, strong stories that, um, th that, that are linked to that and that link us uh, back, back to, to history. Yep, well, uh, it's two dimensions. Of the, that's right. One of the whales is the Turiwairua uh, part of the ministry, and the, which is the the spiritual side of his ministry, and the other one is the the, the works or the Turi. Uh, I can't remember the word, but the the, the work. So, and and also they say that one of them was the uh, Tiomeka whale, and the other one was the Arepa whale or the Alpha and Omega. And his two sons were called Alpha or Arepa and Omeka, or the beginning and the end. So other people say that one of the whales is the treaty whale and the other whale is the Bible whale. So there's a whole, you know, within, the, within that symbolism, you can tell the whole story. And that's, that's, that's what Ratna's done with the Ratna temple. You go to the Ratna, Ratna temple, uh, an amazing construction. You go in there and you look around the walls, there's a whole cosmology there. Now the two the two towers out the front, the Arepa Tower and the Omeka Tower. And of course Jesus Christ is the beginning and end, the beginning and end of time, essentially, isn't it? So we're dealing with all things that, that work within time and I'm told that um, when when the when the two bells ring, that's called to church. You know, come to church to worship who? The Alpha and Omega. I mean, they don't, unfortunately, that this is a contentious thing even within Ratna today. That Ratna doesn't know what Ratna taught, although there is a strong movement within Ratna. It's always been controversial. The old people, they're very guarded about Christians. And I think maybe partly because a lot of Christians have gone in there unwisely and just decided that 
they must all still be heathen so we've got to come in and we've got to give them the you must be saved you know message which unfortunately is like in the wrong if it's passed on on the wrong way it's the dead letter of the word I'm afraid unless you know the living kupu unless you know the story unless you can minister from your heart and know somebody's story then I don't think you've got a right to speak into their lives like that and say you must be you must be the Holy Spirit is the one who goes forward and goes first and prepares the way. And in lots of ways, you know, Rabna spoke like that. Even for his, uh, for his spiritual and his political movement, he ploughed the land. He talked about, I want to plough the land until the soil is red. It's a bit like our talk about uh, the wakahuia. You know, sometimes you, you, you've got to get the lid off before you can access the treasures or get rid of the stuff that you might need to throw away in order to be refreshed and have new treasure. And uh, I think that was part of what he, what he was saying. One of the main things of Ratner's ministry was um, to, to, to draw people away from their old fears and superstitions, from their faith in the tohanga, because the tohanga had an incredible power uh, over, uh, over the people. You know, they, they would say um, when they came for healing, what did the tohanga give you? Oh, he gave me this. Well, give it to me. You put it away. Now, do you believe in the Father and the Son and Jesus Christ? Yes, right. You can be healed. But it was it was to, to break the hold of superstition and fear, which even today keeps many Māori families and many many um, people in a, a kind of bondage. And that was this thing to break through that and take them back to the Christian origins of one God, one faith. So, um, any, any more? Um, Anybody want to throw anything at me? Uh, words, uh, questions. When when Ratner first toured New Zealand, I mean, there, there were incredible things happened. There, there really there really were. There was extraordinary healings that were all written down in the book. And records kept, and I think that came. Media can be cynical. I mean, I work with the media, but but we can be cynical. We can we can look for the negative side, and you know, uh, yeah. So there, there was a there was a lot of negative press, and the people saying, um, even some of the Maori intellectuals at the time were just calling him another tohunga. Um, you know, he's just like Rua, or he's you know he's he's talking about the angels, so he must be back into pluralism again. Or, and there were just a lot of cynical people who didn't believe what he was doing, didn't understand what he was doing. There were a lot of critical articles after the period of time where the mainstream churches were for him. And uh, Carmichael from the Salvation Army wrote a book about him. Um, Rongapai, who, who was actually a, a, a well-known uh, uh, person who'd written the uh, written the stories of the royal family wrote a story about him in, in the 1920-21 called uh, uh, Ratana the I can't remember what it was called but uh, the Māori healer you know but it became to be cynical and they would uh, and after a while he, he, he was open to everybody but after a while he kind of closed down he said well from now on it was even an advertisement on the paper you know Ratana says he will only deal with his own people from this point onwards and not deal with Pākehā, although he would still receive letters from them. And people were healed by letters. 
Now, there's a, there's a woman, uh, Fanny Lemus, which is probably the most famous one and the most chronicled one, and she was down in Invercargill somewhere, I think. Um, she had been paralysed for 19 years. She was in a brace. She could hardly move uh, in constant pain, and she wrote to him. And, I mean, there's, there's a whole story uh, about that. Uh, and, and it was he sent her a letter saying, believe in, in Jesus Christ, read these scriptures every day, and over time she was completely healed and she was toured around the country you know and she even met Ratna and um, there was a, 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 a couple of books written about that too you know she, Ratna was big news he, he's the most successful faith healer that New Zealand has ever seen you know uh, at, at that time in New Zealand's history probably Wigglesworth was here probably in the 20s was it round about, round about that time there, there, there was a move of God, clearly. There was a move of God going on, but this was, I suppose, uh, in league with that, but this was bigger and, and better and indigenous and local and extraordinary. Wow. You know, people came from all over the country. That's why people came um, to Ratnapar. They heard about it. They heard about the blind lady being healed. They heard about the cripples walking. They heard about, you know, the old man who'd never walked for 20 years and went off, walked into town to buy himself a pair of shoes. They heard about Rahui up at uh, Hokianga, the old woman who had, uh, legends were written about her. She'd um, got shipwrecked and saved her husband, you know, got him across to the shore. And she was an old lady, all queer. She could could hardly see. And they brought her in there and, you know, and and, and prayed for her. She said, do you see? She said, oh, I can see like somebody lit a match. Hang on. Oh, I can see, I can see, you know. And it was just an incredible thing. So, you know, this this is what Ratna was doing, you know. And there was a tohunga there and he challenged the tohunga and all these kind of spiritual battles and, you know, neat story at Ratna Pai. He's he's talking to the people um, at the front of his house as he did. He'd sit on the veranda and he'd just talk. You know, and he listened to people, and people would have these discussions, and it was open. You know, it was interactive. Like, you know, I, we can have a bit more interactivity, and it was great. He wanted to hear what people thought. He wanted to hear their stories, how they got sick, how they got ill, whatever. And he said, "Hang on a minute, boys. Something's coming. Something's coming. Now get down on the ground." Okay, they get down on the ground, and the train arrived at um, at at, at uh, the Ratna train station, and they had a train station there because it was a big farm. Nahina Ratna had got the government to actually put a train station, uh, train stop on on the farm, but there were people coming from all around the country on these trains to see Ratna, but you know he perceived in the spirit that there there was something coming, and. Um, and then after a while, this old, old, old man was all doubled up and, and, and all his tohunga had come to challenge Ratna. And he'd seen, he said, a spiritual axe being aimed at him. And he said, that's why I said, everybody get down. So in the spirit, something had been going on. These guys would come to put a curse on him. And, and then in the end, they came to ask him for healing. And that guy that crippled up became one of his teachers, became one of the teachers that was trained up to, to, to go around the country. But... You know, they'd come to sort of to challenge it, like lots of people did. So that has huge spiritual significance on this nation, the end of one type of spiritual power and the overcoming of that history by the end. It's huge, really. He, he came to proclaim the end of yeah. Tohungaism. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, that, and that's it. We should know that the power in us is greater than the power that the enemy can... And the enemy can muster all sorts of illusions and phantasms and, 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 and lies, but the fact is that we stand on the truth of the gospel of, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And knowing that, you know, that we, we are the warriors. We're called to be the warriors. We're called to stand in that place, because if we don't stand, who will stand? Tuhanga is... I mean... You have to be careful about this too because there are many forms of tohanga. In, in lots of ways, the tohanga is an expert. The tohanga is somebody who is very skilled. He might be somebody who um, is, is skilled at communication, who knows orally the whole history of a tribe and knows, you know, it, it contains this information um, uh, in, in his pantry. You know, <laughs> And that's a skill. He might be a, 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 a tohanga whakairo, as a, as a carver. Is that right? Yeah. Somebody who, who is skilled and has brought down um, decades, generations of knowledge into carving. Might be somebody who knows about um, rahui. Is that right? The, being able to put a protection over a piece of like ecology, ecological uh, balance. No, we, we don't hunt the wood pigeons over there. And Ratna got really upset one day. He said, you know, I can't even go and hunt wood pigeons in my own forest anymore. But all right, that's another story. But, but you know, that's a kind of skill and knowledge about ecology. If you, if you, if you uh, take the eels out of that stream now, they won't grow up to be big ones and they won't spawn. And this wonderful kaitiaki kind of knowledge, that can be a form of, uh, of tohangaism. But there's also tohanga makutu. Is that, is that right, um, Brad? Yeah, tohanga makutu. And the, uh, which, which is the one who can curse you, the one who, who, who really deals with uh, the bad arts and is about manipulation. And there's another one that's a lot more a maminga. Is that, is that the right? I, that, that might be, yeah, I think it's maminga is to do with more mental thing, oh. mental manipulation. But then uh, um, uh, Fetu says to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try again. Tohunga Ahurewa, is that right? Yeah, Which is, now, tell me, Brad, if I'm wrong here, but she says that might be the Tohunga of the Holy Spirit, the one who carries the fire. Would you agree with that or not? Ahurewa was the highest form of priesthood. They knew everything. They knew everything. So it might, might be inspired by the Holy Spirit. They could see. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, let's re let's redeem that. Yeah, you know, let's redeem that. If that, in fact, is the highest form of of tohangaism, maybe we need to find another term for it. But the, you know, it got, God has a way to redeem these things. The thing is that the people were under fear of um, not propitiating or or not. Um, it's not like sacrifice, but you know, there, there were so many rituals and things that had to be done before you could plant your garden or before you could walk into somebody else's territory or to do with the dead or to do with, you know, just so much that it's like, I suppose, it's like the Old Testament. Who could possibly live up to all the conditions of the law? Nobody could. And even today in, in, in Israel, we've got the, the, the traditional Jews who still are trying to, you can't even switch a light switch on on, on, on the Sabbath because that's work. So it's, to me, that's extreme, dare I say, this nonsense. It's wrong because that's legalism, that's works. Nobody can live up to that. But in Christ, through 
through his death on the cross, we are under grace. We're freed from all of that. So what Radner was trying to say is that in Christ, essentially, we're free from the impact of, of, of all of these rituals and rules and laws and rigmarole. And it, as, as Radner said once, when, when, when he said he was going to start his own church because the, you know, because the people were crying out for it, and it will be rid of all of that useless flummery. Because I think, you know, it was seeing that there was just too much ritual involved in the church. They were arguing over, you know, come, come and join my church, come and join my church. There was a big debate on, on the Ratna um, Marae, on the Pai Pai, and um, all the churches were there. And uh, Father Seema thought, we might be able to reach an accord here. We might be able to just deal with some of these issues, like the angels and like the term mangai, and, and maybe we can move ahead as a Christian brotherhood. Maybe we can find a way to explain where Ratna fits in here. So all the church leaders were there. And um, so um, Father Seema, I don't know why they call him Father, because they, they don't have fathers in the Methodist church, but for some reason, you know, maybe felt like he was a father figure to the Maori. Um, so he'd explained all of this and everybody would had their say and they were about to go off to the side and he was about to say to, to Ratan, all right, you, you go in and, and you have the last word now and you talk to the people. And as he, as he walked to the side, somebody put him and says, yeah, I agree with everything that Ratan has said. Yes, uh, uh, you should all join my church. And we're like, oh, oh, oi. And then somebody said, Oh, and, what about, and then it all started all over again and then there was a commotion and then just Radner turned around to Father Seema and said, I can't compete with that. I can't, I can't deal with that. He said, I can't, I can't say to the Catholics, you know, yes, we'll be Catholics. I can't say to the Anglicans, yes, we'll be Anglicans because it will, it will split the people. It will, he said, from here on, I will create my own church. But somebody had already started while he was away in, in, in England, had already formed the Church of the Holy Angels. And when he came back, he said, I, could, I didn't give you permission to do that, and he cancelled it. But after that, you know, I, th I think he, he was fed up with all of that churchy nonsense, actually, because he said, oh, I declare this the era of the Holy Angels. You know, just almost flying in the face of the, the very thing that they were, they were, they were you know, arguing over. He thought, well, stuff you. I'll, we'll call it the era of the Holy Angels. So he formed his own church. But um, you've you got to see the, the character of the man. It, just about everything he did was like a drama being played out. You know, there was, sometimes he would dress up. You know, one time he did a whole a whole drama. He dressed up in, in different clothing and talked about the different aspects of history and the different aspects of his ministry and tried to explain some things. So you know, often when you when you, even when you see um, um, the 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 the, the uh, tamaiti, sometimes you you can see that playing out. You know, I, I in one of my books I thought tamaiti, where does he fit? I really like I really like Tuhoi. There's something special there, and and then I, th I look at him. I think he's an activist. You know, he's an actor, but he's an activist. You know, and he's boom into the Union Jack or whatever. He's not hurting anybody, but he, and here he is. He's playing in the in the, uh, a play that's going around the world, <laughs> a Shakespearean play. I mean, it's perfect. But but you know, Ratner did that, and, and what a colourful. You know, colourful stories can be told that way, but sometimes with our narrow Western perspective, we just go, ooh, he broke the law. Ooh, shouldn't do that. Can you use um, the term eel? Um, 
No, I don't think so. But he, he, he was very concerned about the use of Atua mm -hmm. because he thought that was too easily confused with the old gods. Atua with an A-T-U-A. And, and the Anglicans had translated the Bible with Atua as the Father God, but he, he said Matua as in Father. He would use that. And he didn't like... Um, um, Karakia as a, as a term um, because he thought that, that that was too easily confused with the old chants and things of Māoridom and um, his church service were Whakamoe Miti and he yeah, just tried to change some of the terms just so that there wasn't confusion between the old and the new for his people making that clear distinction between Tohungaism, superstition the fears that were associated with it you know whether it was the, the sound of a more pork at night that might signal this or the, he's saying we're in a new thing here we're in a new thing here He emphasised education. Yeah, he definitely emphasised education. He, he, he emphasised the return to Māori language, which was important to him. I mean, I'll extemporise again. Um, school was very important. He had uh, the Methodists uh, ha had uh, their own school there. They taught Sunday school. They taught English. They taught Māori. They taught. You know, it, it was very important for his people to be educated. But he, he was a little bit concerned about intellectuals. You know, he often sort of took a bit of a slam at the intellectuals who tried to, you know, sort of bring everything down to, to detail. But he was definitely, you know, primary school, secondary school, very keen on that. And um, one of the things he said was um, that the, uh, during the opening of the Manawa, which is a transliteration of Manawar, which is the administration building at Ratnapa, which has across the top of it, the seven canoes of the Māori migration, whether they're mythical or, 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 or whatever it is, the representation or symbolic of the Māori migration, the seven canoes there. But in among the canoes, and this is what impressed me too, there's Māwaka. There's the Heemskirk and the Endeavour in there. This is all embracing. And I remember him saying, in in one of his uh, little speeches at the opening he said oh well there's, there's, there's the canoe there for everybody and for those of you who don't know the Māori language uh, well you can hop on one of those other ones up there if you like you know <laughs> but, but yeah he was, he was very much into promoting um, the use of, of, of the Ma restoring the Māori language and, and obviously the, the key thing um, for him treaty, Bible both require literacy to understand but was, was the restoration of the Treaty of Waitangi. And as he went around the country, he listened to everybody's stories, he wrote down the details, he gathered huge amounts of uh, background material, and in the end he had 40,000 signatures on his petition to take to Parliament. At the time, that was two-thirds of the Māori population. Now, and the questions he would ask, are you, uh, unity, are you unified yet? was what he asked regularly. Are you united yet? Do you believe in the one God? Are you united yet? There's two questions everywhere he went because that's what he was requiring from us. 
So of course he takes it to Parliament, it gets rejected, he goes to England, makes these prophecies, um, really upset you know, that he gets rejected. In fact, he tried to go to the League of Nations and he needed a sponsor. He tried to get Germany to sponsor him. Um, he, tried, <laughs> he tried to get uh, Japan to sponsor him. Um, and the British wouldn't do it, but every time the New Zealand High Commissioner, no, he doesn't represent New Zealand, he doesn't represent the Māori people, they were in ahead of him every time. No, don't talk to him. He arranged all these meetings. He was just broken hearted. Because he obviously had the mandate to speak for Māori. And um, he went to Japan, as, as, as I told you before. Um, incredible relationships struck up with the Japanese people. Um, Juji Nakata came out in 1927, beginning of 1927, for the official opening of the Ratnapa. He opened it. You know, he presided at the opening of it, the Japanese. But this relationship, he, uh, when, when Ratna was, was in Japan, they were there during a ship's a docking strike, and they, they couldn't get out, so they were stuck with Juji Nakata's uh, music school. Um, and his people that were there, it was shortly after a Japanese earthquake, you know, it, it shook the whole of Tokyo, and they didn't have much to offer, but those people learned the Māori language to some degree, and, and when Juji Nakata came back, he handed um, the music for all the, the, the Ratna songs. You know, wrote, had written lots of songs. He used to go down to Whangaihu and, uh, and, and listen for the Holy Spirit, listen to the music. And he would get Tirakatni uh, um, to go down with him and, uh, and his daughter and, and to write down the words and everything. So a lot of Holy Spirit inspired stuff came that way. But they didn't have the words. They used to use Sankey, was it? Was it, it said there was a style of old hymns that, that used to be written. Yeah, Ira Sankey. It was, I suppose he copied tunes and whatever, and a lot of them were like that. But in Japan, they actually had written out the music and they brought this back as a gift. All the Ratna hymns translated into proper music for them and for the choirs with all the parts broken out and everything. So this was just an extraordinary gift to the Māori people, apart from the clock mechanism that had been imported from Japan and that sat on the front of the, of the Ratna uh, temple building here with gardens, beautiful gardens everywhere, and um, and some of the stained glass from the window came from Japan too. So, but the thing is that uh, the the the, the um, prophecy made about the, the Asian people, about the Japanese people, a, a, as well about the future relationship. Radna had brought something to Japan of the spiritual spirituality of Jesus Christ. He'd seen with Juji Nakata on the Japanese flag this rising sun and they both both agreed that this was the representative of the second coming of Christ, that this was the rising of Christ. And so there was a partnership, a, a spiritual relationship established between um, the, the, the two countries. And for, for years, Japanese have been coming out to Ratnapar and, and just exploring the story. Researchers, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, 12 bishops from the Catholic Church in Japan came out to Ratnapar. I mean, you don't hear about these things. This relationship is strong and ongoing. And Ratna's daughter got married in Japan and uh, Juji Nakata's son got married uh, in this symbolic marriage while they exchanged costumes, which is an extraordinary story in itself. And um, uh, Ratna's, uh, Juji Nakata's son's wife came out and met up with Mata, who was um, Ratna's daughter. And that was the last of the old guard that met in the, in the 19, 
gosh, it would have been 70s probably, 70s, late 70s. So that's that's a, a, an incredible story in itself. And I'm just, uh, just going to tell you about, because we've been talking a little bit about the Asian influence. Um, it was said that if the Murehu, who were inheritors of the Rat and the legacy, did not step forward and point the way or share the divine light, strangers would come to Ratnapa and learn for themselves. And I think that's kind of what's been happening with the books that have been written, etc., is that they were, it was meant to be a repository of knowledge to be shared with the nation and shared with the Asians and the Japanese as well. And, and, and I think this is, this is part of it. Now that information's out. But certainly in, in the temple at midnight on the 29th of May, 1939, Ratna spoke specifically of the Asian influence that would impact New Zealand. There is a day unfolding when you will reach the doorway of the year 2000. Verily there will be thousands and thousands of Japanese and Asian people who will come to these shores to seek after your revelation for themselves. Therefore you should hold fast to your footstool and hold firmly to your revelation, your crown of glory. It will only be through sheer laziness and neglect that this revelation will be lost to you all. So how was he to know in 1936 that New Zealand would have so many Asian and Japanese people living here, learning here, you know, incredible opportunity here, but um, so often we don't, we don't re realise that opportunity. So, I mean, I, I felt I've, I, I've probably talked too much or, or whatever. There's all sorts of places we could go. Does anybody want to ask any questions or... Oh, he, he uh, is asked about did Ratana name the, the towers and the temple. Ratana named everything. He set up all the symbolism in there. If you if you go through the you know everything is symbolic there. Even the stars, the the, the, the uh, Fetumarama, the stars for um, uh, the 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 the, the, the symbol. It's said if you follow the point, there's three points. Uh, one at the back of the Ratana temple and two just above the towers. They point to Jerusalem. And inside, you, you can read the whole Christian story, if you, if you know how to look. And, and uh, originally, there were pot plants all along, all along the inside, and none of them was indigenous. Every one of them came from some other part of the world, and they were the most odd-looking plants. So obviously, you know, and, and if you looked at the membership of, of Ratna, he wasn't, I mean, as, as we talked about uh, the, the, all the different waka there, um, there were... Uh, Tahitians, Chinese, there were all different nationalities living at Ratnapara at different, different stages. And you know, it's incredible that, that, that legacy that um, it still goes on today. There's a, there's a lot of naming. You know, you can see I, I, we went to a restaurant in Auckland once and there was a, the lady behind the bar had uh, Anahira. And I said, You're Ratna? She said, How did you know? I said, well, you know, Anahira Angel. But you know, it's it's very very much a part of uh, a part of our our culture in New Zealand. It's grown up in this soil. It's for us and it's for the world. And yes, with the with the Ratna Temple, you know, he, all of that symbolism's there. It's deep. It's really deep. You can look into the Kanohi or the eye of the the, the all-seeing eye of God. And there's there's you know, it's it's too complex to go into. But if you understand it, you see at the back, Matua Tama Wairua Tapu Ihu Karaiti. Jesus Christ, and then the, everything's linked. 
through chains all around the inside of the temple. So there's a whole, there's this whole story of everything being linked together. There are about there are about five that follow the Ratna architecture with the twin towers, but most of them are in the far north, Ahipara, um, and they were mostly built in the f after his death in the in the 40s and 50s. Mostly Ratna churches. There's one at. Um, uh, What's the what's the bay just before you head around to uh, um, uh, around the Auckland waterfront? There's one by a little little Urupa there, a little cemetery there. That's that's a Ratna church. Oraki. Oraki. Yeah, there's one there's one there, but that's that's very very different. That's just like a, a little forty um, uh, church there. I've been in there once or twice, but there's yeah, like I say, there's about four or five around the country that have that original Ratna architecture. They don't own many buildings. I think they own a building in Wellington, and mostly we'll meet in school halls. Um, mostly about once a month. It's about 50. I think there's about 50,000 Ratna in the last census. Actually, the growth in Ratna numbers has probably grown between the last census and this one more than it more than it ever has, because it was in decline for a long time. It was about. 30,000, 40,000, you know, tick, 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 and then suddenly uh, it's, it's on the move. But if you, if you consider the political influence, because the, the political side of things meant that Ratna actually, he said he would have Nakwata Ifa, and just shortly after his death, the fourth um, Ratna member took parliament, and that meant that the Ratna movement actually held the Labour government in power for probably three or four terms. So they were the, the key to holding the, the, the Labour government in, in terms. And that, that's a disastrous story in itself because so many promises were made that weren't fulfilled and Ratna were never put into uh, positions of authority or even given Māori affairs or whatever. It was always uh, maybe the Prime Minister or somebody like that or you know maybe just as a... Terakatni, um, um, what was he given? Uh, Minister of... Uh, Dishing out the pencils from, you know, what is it, the government print office or something like that, you know, it was, it was like, okay, come on. So, you know, but Ratna had politically, they had the strongest um, probably network of politically aware people around the country ever. They were so well networked. There were thousands and thousands of them, and they, they became affiliates of the Kotahitanga movement. It was actually a revival of, of the Māori unity movement, and that was part of what he stood for. But the Labour government, through its various processes, dissembled that. It cancelled lots of memberships, just at the time as, uh, as Fetu was put out of Parliament by that same piece of legislation. Uh, it was some, some very underhanded things went on there, and suddenly, um, what happened, you know? So maybe in the Māori Party we're seeing some of that because Tariana has a strong Ratna uh, background. She's from Ngāti Apa and uh, she often talks about Meri Riki Riki and Ratna. So yeah, about 50,000 people with Ratna today. But if you considered those with a political affiliation or those who belong to other churches around the country, you might well find it 70,000 or even stronger than that. So it's a very strong movement, probably behind Kingitanga. And um, those two, you know, Ratna's goal was always to have unity between Kingitanga and uh, and the Ratna movement. But Princess Tipuia 
uh, was very opposed to that. And uh, you had Sir Apidan Inata in power, and he came up against um, uh, the, the, the Radna candidate. So there was conflict of interest there. And it was very interesting, at, at the very end of Ratna's life, after he died, um, Sir Apidan Inata apologised for having railed against Ratna on numerous occasions. And he said, we never understood. Um, you were the prophet. You were running here and there, and you were seeing things before we before we saw, and we didn't understand you. You had a different body. You had a body of the prophet, and I've come to honour you. So it was a very respectful and uh, honouring statement. That that just blew me away when I found that. That just about made me cry because I thought that it ties up the loose ends. You know, he didn't he didn't pass with antagonism. There was a, there was a, an honouring of him. I think for him to have said that, and you, you might be able to correct me, uh, uh, so Aparananata was a very strong Anglican, very strong Anglican and uh, um, a, a staunch um, uh, man to stand for the restoration of Māori culture and uh, you know, bringing, bringing forward the create, creative side of, of things and obviously very political um, and his influence too from Te Ati College, from, um, from the, the young Māori movement, wasn't it? Which was a really, so, so Peter Buck, so Rapidana Nata, um, who, who, who? Maui Pomori, um, one more, the, doc, the, doc, the medical, might have been Maui Pomori, but anyway, that, that was a huge influence in Maori history, and that was sort of contemporary, if you like. That these are these are the, the revival movements that begin to bring back some sense of, of, of confidence, of respect, of purpose, of destiny to Maori people. And uh, I, I think those names from Te Aote, the one that's been missing alongside them in terms of the influential people bringing Maori a vision for the future, has been uh, Taupotiki Urimuratana. Broken heart. <laughs> um, 1939. Um, the story is that uh, Tirakaden, he, he, the, the Mount Taranaki was was sacred to many of the Māori, and there's uh, um, the waterfalls. The other other image at the side there. Um, they used to go there for inspiration. You know, to ask. They used to take. Um, gifted young Māori that was set aside to be tohanga ahiriwa or, or whatever they thought, uh, the, the old people used to take them there, but Ratna went there and rededicated it to the Holy Spirit and this was the, uh, the waterfall of the prophets and, and they would go there and he asked um, um, Tirakatni, Eruera Tirakatni who was his right hand man and um, often did things after his after, when people revered Ratna would go and put uh, portraits of Ratna in the temple, or statues of angels, he'd go and take them out and say, "No, no, no, we're not revering Ratna. This is about, you know, put it back on track." But he took him up to um, the waterfall of the prophets, Tererio Kapuni, and um, <coughs> apparently in one of those journeys, Ratna was fading. I mean, I don't know. He, it sounded like he had some wasting disease because he looked very old. It's at the age of 66 when he died. He was very thin and frail, and he was carried up uh, to Riri or Kapuni uh, by Eruera um, Tirakatni um, and said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm worried, I'm concerned. He said, the people have held me up 
um, like some tin god, and I never wanted that. I never wanted that, and I, I, I regretted that he hadn't done more to prevent that elevation of him as a person. You know, he said it often. There's so many quotes. You know, I'm just a man. I'm just Bill Ratner, or I'm just, I'm just a man. You know, when the Spirit comes on me, yeah, I'm, I'm the spokesperson, broadcasting the Word of God, but I'm just a man. And several times during his life, I mean, he, he, he got booked for drunken driving on one occasion. I mean, he went back to his old ways, you know. He said, you know, I, when I, before the Holy Spirit visited me, he said, uh, I was just like an animal. And the only people that would talk to me were the animals or the people who drank with me at the pub. And then I was elevated, I was raised up. And he slipped back at one stage. Just, the people were accusing him. And he, 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 had, um, he had married another woman, so he had two wives, all this sort of stuff. But, you know, and then we could say, oh, well, fair enough. You know, he, he blew it. He blew it. And he knew he blew it. He said, I've sinned. And uh, there was an offspring, which was his uh, child, Hamoira, from that. But that's a very powerful story that I haven't told you. And I should probably hold that for another day. But, um, yeah, so he went up in a plane. And there's a plane came along, a, a, a pilot came along to give rides to the people who, you know, that used to hang out at Ratnapar. And it's, it's interesting that I think Brad's grandfather, was it your grandfather, Brad? Golan Marker did a thesis on what was going on there around about this time because it kind of, now the alcohol laws out there are pretty strong, although I have to say in the last few years the, the gang members and that are sneaking in alcohol and some of the respect has been lost uh, for the no alcohol kind of thing out there, um, but but uh, during this time the freezing workers and whatever would come to Ratner and they'd stay there for a long time. It would become a bit of a big party, and this plane, you know, landed on the I don't know where it would have landed, but you know, landed and took people for rides. They'd pay for rides, and he was the first one up, and he went up, and um, he dropped a bottle of whiskey and a bottle of gin from from the aeroplane, and he said. Um, he drank it, and he said, "That's the devil." He said, "Don't go near that waipiro," you know. <laughs> but this this was him going through a really difficult time, and he was prepared to resign and give it all up because he was just a broken man, you know. He'd, the papers were having a go at him. The various churches were abusing him. It was just like you know, it looked like the end. He was prepared to give it up, and the family convinced him to stay on, and he got booked drunk and driving. But the man fell. But on his deathbed. Um, and I could probably deal t to that at some other stage, there is a very pronounced and straightforward statement that the foundations of this movement is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and, and I say that the answer is Jesus Christ. And he, and, he, and he says the Lord's Prayer, and it's all signed and sealed and witnessed, and, and, and still today people say, oh, no, we don't take any notice of that. Well, hang on. Yet all of his... Um, Nakwata Ifar and their wives. He had uh, uh, Ollie Nathan, his secretary. He had his uh, seal on it. This was his final statement. And to say nobody should change anything that's at Ratnapar because it's here. There's a, there's a story here. Don't mess around with it. So they've tried to keep it as straight as possible. So even today, you can go out there and learn the Ratnapar story.
Uh, well, they had ha they had a very hard rugby team. They, they got. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I got I got photographs of all. It was very much into sport. It was a big thing out there. And, and the, the only time I went out there before I wrote the book was to go out for the concerts that they have out there because there was awesome music out there. You go out there and you listen to Billy TK, all of these amazing because they got the Ratna bands, but the seven Ratna brass bands. And today, oh, what an amazing thing. You go out there, you got little boys down here playing the trumpet and, you know, big fat, oh, boom, boom, boom. It's just so colourful. And they all got their colourful outfits and they're known all up and down. The Every one of those bands has got a, a meaning, a name, a different uniform and all of that. But why didn't we know about it? That's right. I mean, as we were saying before, you know, you're right and all that cult over the hill. We call them a cult. We didn't. We, what do you do to what you don't understand? You know, and, and of course, those stories stick in people's minds. Yeah, Routner had a second wife. Yeah, Routner was an alcoholic. Oh, Routner was a cult. Dismiss. Fact is, you know, what did we do to King David? You know, we, we, we missed the story. So the story's not been told. So that's why they closed it down. Shortly after Routner died, all squabbles about who's going to take over, who's going to. Um, who owns the assets, who owns this, who owns that. The township became derelict. Government had to come down and they were going to bulldoze the place. Without a vision, what does the story say? Without a vision, the people perish. Is, is it, other ways of looking at that too, without a... Um, yeah. It, when they say that again, without... Without revelation, they cast off restraint. So there's multiple meanings in that that can all be applied to what I think happened out at Ratna. And the only things that would happen were on, the, on his birthday, on the 26th of January every year, still the people flock there. They're still there every year, and the politicians make sure the poly polys get there, on, and, they, and they, they announce all of their um, uh, speeches and that, and they try and use it as a platform, but it's, it's Ratna's birthday, but it's a social gathering. Boy, that network that used to be, they still get together, and they still talk, and things are said, and to Haiti, the, the king, uh, the Māori king, comes there and before before him um, Dame Tiatairangi Kahu she was there, there's relationships formed and founded and still being established there and things still being said on that marae often in a Māori language, often so all those politicians would have no idea what's being said about them but, but it's, it, it, it's an important gathering every year, there are important people talking about things, the whole foreshore and sea, that was the last time that Ratna raised its hand politically foreshore and seabird, there's the flag alongside the Tinoranga Tiratanga. But no, the only, the only time I went out there was to listen to the music and it was awesome. You know, prog rock, you know, oh, you know, you go out there and it was wonderful. But to come back and to see the roots of it and, 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 and to bring it back to Christ, that's the challenge. It's a hard challenge. Fetutila Cartney Sullivan's been trying to do that for years. She got Derek Prince out there one year. And um, uh, the, the story of that one's interesting. I mean, uh, once he started to preach the gospel, uh, suddenly the power went off. So somebody pulled the plug. I, I went out there with a charisma band one year, and they were doing, <laughs> doing some stuff too. Somebody else pulled the power plug that time, the moment the Christ name got mentioned. But, it, but there's a movement there among the young people. I went there before I started to write the book, and you could get so far, and they would say, no, oh, yeah, but there's many, many paths up the mountain, Keith. You know, you can, you can, you know. And I thought, oh, okay, they, they won't go the distance. But now, there's so many there, you know, who are full on for Christ, 
It's just that they, they, they kind of haven't had the story. And I think it's, it's the tide is turning. The tide is turning. And um, if we're sensitive to the story, if we know the story, then we can tell the route in the story too. You know, because it's part of our heritage. Are there people with it going hard for God? I, I think so. Um, well, Ruya, um, whenever we got together to, to talk, I mean, we'd always pray, and he would pray the route in a prayer, and I'd pray, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, and we'd embrace each other. And well, this, this, this Holy Spirit electricity, boy, there's some exciting stuff there. You go when you when you come together and you've got something, and you're sharing something with. With, with, with Jesus Christ in the centre, something's going to change. Yeah. Something's going to change. And if, we, if, we, if we're uh, in relationship, that's the key thing, isn't it? Not being bombastic about what we believe, but if you build relationships, then everybody grows. And if you know, as I was talking to my brother over there before, so often, if you don't know the story, you just sit. And, pe let, and people can tell you porkies. And you go, oh, oh, okay. Or things, if, 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 they're not, if information's not shared, that's the stuff of urban myths. You know, I had to put a lot of stuff out of this book. Oh, Ratna walked on the water. Don't think so. Can you give me some evidence of that? Um, yeah, you know, if you've got some, but no, you know, so you don't use that. You know, even though I was told three or four times, no, I don't know. Or Ratna had a secret stash of gold dust in a cave. On, 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 on the route in the farm, you know, and there was this old Pakeha guy who, uh, who was the keeper of the pouch. Fascinating story. I nearly got to meet him. I wanted to meet him. He was adopted by Ratna. This old Pakeha guy looked, used to look after his finances. And the story was that the angel Gabriel gave him a gold dust pouch that never ran out. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's some things that go beyond the bounds of credibility. So the book, these stories, they had, I had to find them either written in a journal, and they often came from uh, his son, Hami Takoro, who was uh, his secretary and uh, member of parliament from his diaries, or from, um, the, 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 yeah, from, from diaries or from things that were written down, and, and I had, you know, from, from the mouths of two or three witnesses. That was my guideline on this on this you know some of it might be wrong but this is as much this is as close as I can get to the story and I, I just think it's you know They read from the, the the blue book, which is um, it's a bit sad. Is that the you know, well well Ratner clearly said, you know, um, that the treaty is important to us, but the Bible is our real treasure. That's our tonga. The Bible is our real treasure. And he read it, and he had, as you've seen on one of those things there, you know, he had had its own Bible with markings all down, the, and he encouraged it. But there's this thing again. You know, the the Bible is associated with Europeans. The Bible associated with um, the missionaries. This is kind of funny thing that people resort to. You know, I, I, I don't get it. But yet, yet the Bible is definitely 
uh, an important book, but again, unfortunately, Ratner today, many of them, particularly the old school or Committee Hahi Matua, uh, are very powerful. And even when Ratner's daughter tried to have the Bible brought back in and the name Jesus Christ brought back in, um, she was resisted. And I think they were quite shocked because Ratna's daughter's name uh, is really another story, and I, I, should be, I should be closing up fairly sh sh shortly on this one, but um, his daughter's name means the one who sings, the, who sings praises to the name of, of Jesus Christ. That's what her name meant in Māori. Why? Because Ratna would get her to sing um, that old hymn, um, Jesus, King of Kings when he sang, uh, when, he, when he was healing, and that was sing the song. She was, the, and that was her name, Marta, I, I, I can't get it, but the one who sings Je Glory to Jesus, the King of Kings, and that was her name. And, and she went away and um, left the par and was living in um, Patia, working as a cook at the hospital there. And when Ratna's sister, um, passed on, they were looking for somebody to replace her as um, as the head of the Rautner church. And they thought, well, let's see if we can find uh, Marta. So they went looking for her, and she thought about it, and not sure. It took a while. Of, it took, 18, I think it was an 18-month period before there was no um, tumuaki at the Rautner church, but eventually she took it up. But apparently they'd lost their own history to the point that a lot of them were shocked when they realised what her name meant and her place in that. And she was very influential in restoring the name of Christ and very influential in teaching a lot of the young people who came and sat at her feet. And she said, oh, I, I'm not interested in the old, I'm interested in the, in the new sprouts, the new fronds that will come up and take leadership of this church. So she, would, she told them firsthand all the stories again, and that's how a lot of the material in the book came through, was for those young people who for years had gone around the country gathering the photographs and the stories, and they created their own archive, much to the dislike of some of the, the, the committee of the church. But without them, there would be very little left. We risk losing our history unless we capture it. You know, We need to pass on that DNA. You know, this is, we're time travellers, you know, we have to take it with us into the future. I'm going to leave it there and um, we'll talk again tomorrow and hopefully it'll be a, um, yeah, there'll be plenty to talk about. Brilliant, great, yes. Well, well, peeps, beautiful day for a book, sleep on the couch or something. <laughs> So uh, have a great up lunch is at 12.30. Um, uh, you guys all good with... Oh, actually. <laughs>